Hi, I'm Laura. Hey, I'm Stefan, and you're listening to Attributed, a podcast library by Dream Data. The purpose of it is to store and share all the knowledge that we have gathered across Dream Data employees through our LinkedIn Lives, podcasts, and webinars. The typical topics you'll find here can be stuff like marketing, sales, B2B ads, operations, social selling maybe. Today, I've got Cliff Simon together with me from Caravana Group. I'm really excited for this discussion because it's a very niche topic, I would say, but an exciting one to discuss with about. So Cliff, over to you. Could you introduce yourself <laughs> a little bit? Hey, Laura, doing well. Uh, Cliff Simon, I'm the CRO over at Caravana Group. We do RevOps as a service, as our uh, service mark. And yeah, we, we like to help folks fix complicated issues. Fantastic. And what are the most complicated issues that people come to you for? <laughs> um, anything from merging together like seven or eight different companies to uh, trying to figure out really complex data flows can be anything in between. Fantastic. And how does connecting the various data flows for several companies connect with community growth? Oh, that's so fun. So for what we do, a lot of it lies in the data, right? connecting systems, connecting thought processes. How do you actually take this abstract concept of a customer journey, map that out, tie in go-to-market processes to it, and then figure out how to use technology to amplify those efforts. But for us, from a growth perspective, everything we've done has been community-led. My personal thesis on B2B is that people in the B2B space want to buy like they do in B2C, right? So how do you, how do you typically facilitate that all? When you go buy something, what do you typically do? Google. First, first you see it on TikTok, then you think, oh, should I buy this? Then you buy this, then you say, uh oh, wrong thing, never gonna buy anything on TikTok, and then you do it again. So, yeah, community. Yeah, so TikTok, okay. And you ever write big, big purchases, right? Do you typically ask people's opinions? Yeah, of course, Cliff. So the way usually you would be buying, either you have seen somebody else using this, asking if they have ever used this, what is your friend fond of? Right. I don't know what big purchases you would be thinking of. Oh, let's say you want to buy a house. Well, where or are all your friends living? <laughs> and what is the best area for X? You would ask the people. Yeah, or like uh, with a car, right? Like you ask your friends who are in similar life situations, hey, did that work for you guys? Let me test drive it. Like, you don't want to go to the dealership and deal with that crap, right? Um, I want to actually get hands-on experience from people that I trust to know. Yeah, unless you want to try it out. And that's one of the last things you'll do is like, I'm going to go to BMW, Chrysler, and what else do you do? Tesla. <laughs> then... Yeah, as they tie you down and try to get you to sign your life away for the next seven or eight years, because I think that's what they're doing nowadays in the States. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's crazy. But to the point, like you go to the places that you know and trust for information, right? We want to grow that way. That's how we have grown the business, uh, you know, be, being a trusted source for doing things the right way and for our thought leadership. That's what Caribbean is known for. Yeah. And when you say a community, then what can you define a community for you? What is it? So I think there's, there's a lot of different ways people define community very simply right a place where people come together but more specifically right in pre-pandemic the way that you typically found community was you'd go to the places that people got together to get their questions answered right that was typically conferences symposiums you'd go there and learn and meet folks and network 
post-pandemic, that started happening in places like Slack chat rooms, mm-hmm. online forums. Those things proliferated, and uh, those are the places that we tend to spend a lot of our time, right? Trying to add value to the communities that we're in to help people learn more about RevOps because it's a really difficult, nuanced subject. To your point earlier, yeah. so we go to places like Pavilion, Rev Genius, Sales Assembly, WizOps, Rev Gen- uh, sorry, uh, RevOps Co-op, Sales Hacker. I mean, the, the list goes on and on of places where people are spending their time now. You know, Mops, Pros. There's so many. And the interesting thing is that you mention all the communities that you're a part of, but you're not managing as a community. Because I would like you to talk a little bit about the two. It's like, when should you be thinking of owning a community and this is me or joining some of them and scaling through that type of a community? I think when you're talking about going and creating something yourself, a lot of folks have gone out and tried that and have significantly underestimated the amount of time and effort that it takes to not only make the community something where people want to show up, a place where people can continually gain value, gain knowledge, connections, whatever it is that they're coming there for, you have to make it a place where they feel like they're receiving as opposed to constantly giving to draw them in the beginning. I think Pavilion to that point's done a really good job of instilling a culture where everyone is expected to come to the table and expected to give first, yeah. right? Um, I know Jared Robbins speaks about something similar, right? Everyone wants to show up typically to take, 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 but if you can create and foster a, a culture and an environment in your communities where people are giving, mm-hmm. it always feels like the pot's full and it's never running empty. Yeah. And it reminds me of the time, like, if you're thinking of creating a community, then usually companies born from that community. And it takes me back to the times when I was working at Red Hat. The reason Red Hat had a huge community was because it was born from the Linux community, which is open source. Mm. And in open source, people just share stuff, share their code, share their experiences. And then there's a company on top of it that sells some support or services on top of it. But what people are actually using and collaborating upon, it's free because it is your help or getting some help from somebody. And as soon as the company starts to try to create a community, because, well, soon we're going to sell to all those people. It's like, it can, oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get this. It also comes in Google, not just in here. <laughs> yeah. I think if you do it with two, then something different. Aha! See? <laughs> there, there's more. So I hope you can uncover a couple of those again. Okay. Thank you for this. Perfect. Okay. Then it's a switch of topic. The next question. So if you are working with communities and want that type of a growth through, not on communities, there's a lot of operational stuff that has to change. And you are a CRO. So you're, well, your title says revenue. How, what kind of processes need to be changed in order to start thinking revenue versus community? Because the two of those usually are not synonyms. So at least for how we're thinking about it, right? We're typically talking about attribution into the community channels. Our first year in business, 53-ish percent of our revenue came from word of mouth, referral, or community led. Last year, that number ballooned up to 91.5%. You got the dad jokes. Oh man. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> 
And then um, this year we're tracking uh, somewhere between 85 and 95%. Wow. So it's, it's powerful, but it's long tail. This is not a place where you are going to spend a, a, a minimal amount of time and turn on the spigot where it's going to happen instantaneously, right? You're taking the time to actually build one-on-one -on -one connections with your peers. That's what drives this. It's building empathy and yeah. trust and a, a genuine human connection, right? And, go, and leading with, you know, treating people the way you want to be treated, yeah. right? The golden rule. All of this is basic, like being a human, yeah. but I think so many people show up to these places expecting to, you know, you have an, a really ambitious AE or SDR and mm -hmm. they expect to show up in a community and start mining it. You know, there's gold in those hills, but it's not, that's not how it works. And how do you change that mindset or even op operationalize it? Like who owns this? How do you get from those salespeople? to actually start building value? It starts from the top. You have to, as the CRO, I have to understand that this is a long tail effort, that this is gonna be akin to a drip campaign or building out a long-term market presence brand play, where it's going to take four to eight to 12 months for us to start to see significant returns from it. And that as that behavior continues over time, there should be some type of return I don't know necessarily what that will look like. I can tell you for us, it was significant. We happened to be hitting the right part of the market at the right time, but I've seen this work really well in other places too. Like I said, this, this is a playbook that we use pre pandemic um, yeah. at previous places that I was at. So let's talk a little bit about the right part of the market. So this is an ICP and to build value with ICP, how do you actually do this in communities? How do you carve out that this is the right one for me to do? And what kind of messaging do you go one-on-one? -on -one? Do you go many? Like, tell me a little bit more of your playbook. How do you work with this? So it's a mixture of one-on-one, one-to-many, and then we also do in-person. Mm -hmm. So one-on-one, -on -one, adding value to other members within the community. I think there's a massive desire from most of us in Western culture for instant gratification, right? So if someone's putting a question in Slack or someone's asked a question when, you know, WhatsApp groups you're in or whatever it might be, responding quickly yeah. and being able to actually add value without trying to extract anything in returns. Like, hey, I, for me personally, I've come from almost two decades of mid-market enterprise selling. I've seen a bunch of different crap. So I can come along and say, hey, I've seen this in such and such a way before. This may work for you. This may not work for you, but I'm happy to spitball it with you and see if we can workshop that together. And that leads to a conversation, right? And from a branding perspective, when you're building a bootstrapped company, that conversation, you never know where it's going to go, right? That, the, the ask for me, at least at the end of all the calls was never give me some business, right? Use us. No, it was... Hey, if you ever know somebody that could use these types of services, or it's one of your friends and inevitably asks you about it, would you remember our name? Mm -hmm. Really simple, right? And that reverberated, you know, you start doing that 40 to 60 times a week for two years. And that ripple effect, those concentric circles of, um, of influence continue to build and, and have a profound effect. When you're doing it one-on-one, -on -one, then you've got the one-to-many Things like this where lots of folks can uh, can interact. Uh, we did lots of town halls, webinars, start putting out thought leadership papers and uh, a couple of different things that you're doing with your customers from a case study perspective. And then in person, right? Um, 
Mm-hmm. We show up as many places as we can where we know our ICP is going to be. I think very similar to what many people in field marketing would do. We host dinners, happy hours, whatever it takes to just be a part of the community and continue yeah. to foster and build those relationships. Would you ever go for a direct close? It's like, seems like you've connected three companies just now. Do you need some RevOps help? We have done stuff like that in the past, but I, I mean, our outbound in that regard is uh, fairly non-existent. Yeah. Um, typically when that folks are at that part of their stage, um, they already know what they're going to do. Like you don't go out and, you know, as a PE firm and buy five or six companies in a vertically integrated market and not have a plan for how to merge them together before you do it. But if you can get into the conversation as they're going through the due diligence, that's a different story, right? So building the relationships there makes sense. But again, it's a relationship. It's such a valid point because it's very similar with SaaS buying as well. Because if you catch them looking at alternatives, you're too late. Unless you have a superior product, right? But then still somebody else is in the conversations where they already started the plan, the merge of the companies, whatever that is for RevOps. It's like kind of, we kind of know what we'll need to do. Maybe we will need a couple more people, but, but most of that is line up. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's, funny. it's like the same thing with, uh, you know, hey, so-and-so just raised a massive Series A or Series B and everyone gets the alert and all of a sudden the inbox gets flooded. Like most AEs and SDRs haven't been taught business sense. Yeah. They don't realize that 85 to 90% of that money's already spent. Exactly. Like, and if it's not, then the executives at that company are doing a terrible job because <laughs> you should know what you're spending your money on it ahead of time, right? And what that looks like year over year over year. No, that's that's all right. And if we move the community-led growth to your current customers, are there any overlaps over there as well, the communities and the customers that you're selling to? And how does that help you to like get the lifetime value of your clients as well? So it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of overlap, um, again, because the majority of our customers came from that specific mm. vein. What we've started to see and what I, I've been thinking about and talking with a few other friends about a lot lately is it's not the lifetime value necessarily of the specific customer. It's the lifetime value of the individual person that you have the relationship with. Think very user Gen Z, right? I'm following my champion from company to company to company. Oh. Well, I'm following my executive from company to company to company because the average CRO or CMO sticks around for 12 to 15 months, right? You know, we've got customers who... You know, went through a down round or a down or a company did a riff or whatever it might be, where they're buying us for a second or third time now because we brought the value and they saw what we were able to do. That's the power of community, right? It's that relationship. That's and then following, you have to follow through, of course, right? I, I think that's sort of table stakes. You can't just give them a product or a service that doesn't drive recurring impact. How do you scale that, Cliff? How do you scale it? The, yeah. which, which part? Like if you were to like, we need to hire two more salespeople and the predicted revenue growth would be X, but how do you know that it's going to scale through community? Yeah. So we started doing that last year and it worked fairly well. You just don't step on each other's toes. Mm-hmm. I think you have to, just, you have to operationalize it. Unfortunately, there's no fantastic way of doing that in an automated fashion, but 
you start finding interesting ways to leave notes on things um, in, in public forums so that you know what you're looking for. But on trained eyes, you think, oh, someone left a like, right, or whatever. But it sort of lets you know that someone else was already there. Yeah. Because okay. that's the other thing with like, its community. People are actually building relationships. You don't want to make it feel salesy in any way, shape, or form, right? Because that is not the goal. The goal in community is to be helpful, yeah. again, to be empathetic, and to add value to others. You know, and I remember somebody asking me at a point when we were discussing LinkedIn and social selling and stuff. It's kind of community as well. And the question was, so how as a salesperson are you monetizing the piece that you brought in the lead or somebody liked something that you did and is that your lead? It's like, you don't. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> because it's impossible. And if you start doing that, it will kill the culture of the actual value bringing and value building. You have to find other ways to do it and to incentivize salespeople to do better and to broaden out and use your means the way you do it. But don't start with that. <laughs> I think that's where you have to have a really strong, you know, sales or revenue playbook. You have to have very clearly defined rules of engagement. Right? If you have a team that this is your territory, HQ's here, doesn't matter that so-and-so had a conversation with them in EMEA, right? They're buying out of North America. They're buying out of North America. Yeah. Interesting. And we touched a little bit on tools. At least it sounded like you've got some idea of how this could be either tracked or anything that you use for this. So we use a couple of different tools, nothing crazy, right? Again, we were bootstrapped from the beginning. So we're tracking everything in Salesforce. We pulled some different sources in as far as uh, matching up first party intent with what we're seeing and hearing from the folks that we're on calls with. So first off, we ask, <laughs> I think that's the easiest, right? We're, how did you hear about us? And not just, you know, stopping at that first answer. Oh, from my friend, so-and-so. All right, well, we're, how do you know so-and-so? Where did they hear about us, right? Mm -hmm. We sort of do a little bit more digging. Maybe they heard about from their friend who's a CEO who heard about us from their board because that board member is on a different board of one of our customers, right? Or something of that nature. That's happened plenty of times. We use dream data um, for first party intent. So thank you. And uh, re the real products though, like that. And then Salesforce for manual tracking everything. We also ask people to self-identify anytime they're booking something with us via Calendly or Chili Piper. And yes, we actually do use both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, anytime they're doing a form fill, it's mm -hmm. always one of the areas we ask about. Yeah. And before the registration tools, so to say, like Salesforce is and the intent, is there anything that you use to capture the intent in communities while you're building that? Unfortunately, from what I've seen, there isn't a tool that does that yet. Um, a lot of that would have to do with GDPR yeah. and other privacy compliance, especially when you're talking about communities that you may not be the administrator of. Uh, oh. So it's a manual effort at that stage but it's a place where it's well worth the additional sweat and tears from the salespeople because those leads tend to close faster right oh. you're, you're not finding somebody that's at the beginning of a buying journey where you have to drive awareness and education they're already typically in a buying cycle at least in the communities that we tend to be in and speak with they're already the executive or economic decision makers they have significant yeah. influence so the deal cycle tends to be shorter yeah. 
anything else from the like data-driven insights that you're using or taken insights from that we haven't mentioned? Uh, we actually do use a tool internally to help drive, you know, the other side of community is helping um, our clients find really good technology fits oh. uh, to our ISV partners. So we use a tool called Fluency. Uh, Fluency listens to all of our call recordings. You know, we record every call with our clients because we don't want to miss anything right? and make sure that we can always revisit and, and understand the requirements appropriately. We take that, run it through Fluency and actually identifies for us when our clients are a good fit for any of our potential ISB partners um, or even for companies that we're not partnered with because we want to be agnostic in the technology that we're using, right? What's going to be the best fit for the use case now? What's going to be the best fit because we have to be friends with those folks. And how did the, does that actually work? So it listens to the calls and does it- Yeah, it, listen, it listens to the calls and then based off of keywords and the syntax of those calls, it sends over a Slack notification to our team to say, hey, you should recommend this technology to your customer. It's a one to five out of five fit. These are the keywords that we heard. This is the context that we heard and why we believe it would be a good fit for that particular customer. Wow. So it's almost like- Google chat GPT and the recording software had a baby. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and it's made it a lot easier, right? Because not every single person on our team, you know, we're about 30 people now. Yeah. They can't know every single piece of tech that we touch and all the other things that I'm constantly learning about as I'm interacting with other folks out in the field. So it's a, it's a nice uh, way to level the playing field and get everyone on the same page. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Okay. If you were, to scale the community, like community growth, but also not to lose the touch with the personalization and so on. So how do you actually scale this? I think you have to one hire for the right type of person mm. that would do this, right? Someone who's going to keep going back to empathy, but like, yeah, have to treat people like they're people, right? They're not just, you know, dollar signs walking around. You have to lead with empathy. You have to find folks who are business savvy enough to be able to add value. And then from a scaling perspective, you have to start niching down or setting up territories to make sure that there is an overlap, mm -hmm. that you can have people actually be successful. Yeah. Right? Um, and then I think at that point, you, you go to a place where you're growing big enough as a company, you probably start launching your own community. Okay. What would be the tipping point that you would be thinking about that? So... I, I think you operate both in other communities and your own in, in the same time period. Mm -hmm. I think the purpose becomes different. Right? The purpose of having your own community is to make sure that you're driving additional value to mm -hmm. the members of your existing customers and then have it grow out from there into areas of influence of the people that they know, but it's bringing in really good speakers. It's helping them address their problems more directly. For us, we service three main different verticals. So setting up sub-communities for each one of those verticals where they can meet with their peers and understand the problems that they're facing. So they're not just hearing it from us, but they're able to workshop and, and figure out solutions to their problems with their peers. That's and that's what people are hungry for. They're hungry for connection. I love that. And you would be moving again, back to what we started with. You would be moving into the community because this is the part of something your customers would need and want. It's not because you want to monetize it out. That's right. That's right. Happen, but yeah, absolutely. Love this. All right. So we are almost at the end of the conversation. Is there anything else, Cliff, that we need to mention before we finish off today? 
I think there's a, a part of community that we haven't talked about a little bit, which is the referral piece. We spend so much time and money on customer acquisition, and we don't often think about just doing the simple things, right? And referral is easy. All you have to do is ask. And so many of us just don't do the basics. Again, what are the basics? What are the basics? Um, make sure that you're adding value to your customers. And if you're adding value to your customers, I know, I know you, you follow a lot of the winning by design stuff too. You know, Jocko talks about the popsicle moment or that moment of delight. Interact with your customers when that happens and ask them when they're at, at their peak joy, right? And I know you talk to other folks. I know people ask you for stuff all the time. Is there anyone else that you know of that has a similar problem? If so, would, do you think it'd be worthwhile for us to have a conversation? Yeah. I keep it simple. I love that. And there, I see that there are two types of those. So there's an ask. Don't forget to ask because if they have that moment here and now, this is your moment to ask and they would know who to refer to. But then there is also the time when you're not in the room. So create raving fans for yourselves that whenever they're asked for something, then you're one of those to be mentioned. And that's, that's right. a beautiful thing. Yeah. And like the referrals piece of it, getting you know, or app exchange or G2 or HubSpot or cap terror review or whatever it might be, right. Finding ways to memorialize and document those stories. So that way that one ask maybe turns into something that hundred people see well, or a thousand is, people see. This is the third one. That's right. Like write it down because when somebody else is reading those, well, they're reading that while you're not in the room, but they are in your room. <laughs> That's, mm -hmm. This is amazing. Yeah. Anything else that we missed out before we finish this off? Oh, just to keep it and be a good human. Yeah, exactly. Be normal, be human, be helpful. And um, yeah. Go for bike rides. Don't forget to ask. That's awesome. Don't forget to ask. Like there is some of the times that you'll have to ask for something. And if you have been given, that will be much easier. Thanks everybody for listening together with us. See you at another session. Thanks so much. We hope you like listening to us. Subscribe to our podcast and the ones that we have been guests on. And if you have any feedback for us, uh, just do let us know. And should there be a guest that you think we should be talking to, then like pitch us. We're looking forward to seeing you.